WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 75, all about Two Towers, theatrical edition, part 5. Being the 75th part of That's What I'm Talking About. Oh my god, guys, we're at the quarter quill. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by my gal pals of the restricted section, Christina Khan. I almost said Catherine Simpkiss because that's what you're... (laughs) (laughs) Haley Simpkiss and Brooke Matherly. Welcome, everyone. Hi. Listeners, this is a first because I've never had this many people on before. We will see what happens. You'll hear the difference. It's a mistake. In the... (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely a mistake starting with the three of us no this is not a mistake at all i did this because i got feedback during a listener survey that i did plot twist people like you guys what still can't figure (laughs) that one out it's because they don't know us that's true (laughs) and uh yes this is true and they're like, have more restricted section on. And I was like, okay, well, this will be perfect for a movie episode. I'll get as many restricted section folks on as possible. So <laughs> here we are. So why don't we go round the room really quick and tell me what you guys, uh, what your memories were of watching. Brooke, actually, I think you shared your memories of watching the movies with that diary <laughs> entry before, but you could talk a little bit more about. But so tell me, uh, yeah, what were y'all's experiences with watching the movies for the first time? Well, aside from my very embarrassing diary so that was the my first viewing of fellowship was like alone in my friend's bedroom and then past that my whole family got really into it and the movies would release in theaters around this time of year basically and we had a family policy of going the day after christmas to see the new lord of the rings movie oh i love that so the final two we saw the day after christmas and by we it was me my dad my sister my mom refused to go she is the kind of person <laughs> that needs to get up 9 to 20 times an hour in order to get through a movie and so the theater did not work well for her for a three-hour film. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Haley, what about you? I, God, I must have been like 10 or 11. Um, I don't really remember the first time I saw Two Towers, but I do think that Two Towers was like the first of the Lord of the Rings movies that I saw. Like, I think before that I was too like young and stupid and I was like, these are boring. But then like I saw Two Towers and like Faramir was hot and <laughs> there was a dope war scene and I was like, oh, this is this is really good this is really i I can get behind this and then i did and now i'm me (laughs) (laughs) the beginning of the end truly and christina so i have told this story on your podcast on my first appearance but i'm going to repeat it because i it's a precious memory for me it's also i remember this but it has been a while since you shared this so yes go ahead yeah so my first introduction to literally anything in the world of Lord of the Rings, my very first introduction ever was that I got invited by my boy, my sixth grade boyfriend, Alex, to go to the movies. And I was like, that sounds fun. And his mom managed to convince my mom to let me go with Alex and his best friend, Alex. And I'm not making that up. (laughs) Wait, 
I didn't know that this was a, a triple, this was a, a date with a third wheel. We needed supervision. That's so funny. So if like the parents the aren't going to go, then you have to send the super nerdy best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and so the movie, I was like, I'll see any movie for you, first boy who's ever paid any attention to me. And it was The Two Towers. So not only did I not have an interest in this universe, but also it was the second installment. I had missed three hours of exposition that comes beforehand. So I was really lost the whole time. Luckily, Alex is hilarious and really familiar with the series and probably had already seen the movie once by the time we got there and was whispering to me the whole time really funny things. And every time... This is my main memory is every time they showed a shot of Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, he would lean over and go, rub-a-dub-dub, three men in a tub. (laughs) (laughs) Because we were 11, and that was hilarious. (laughs) What do you mean? It's hilarious now. I have an important clarification question. Um, Did you sit what was the seating order? Did they Alex sandwich you or were you like Al- relegated Alex, to the no, outside? No, Alex was in the Alex was in the middle and Alex and me were on the outside. Wait, Alex, wait, which <laughs> Alex Um my boyfriend Alex, Alex boyfriend. yeah, which by the way, he was too scared to admit he was my boyfriend back then, but now as adults it's like, yeah, you were my boyfriend. He gave me a giant teddy bear for Christmas. What do you think? Oh yeah. Aww. That's legit. Yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. that's so hilarious. Rub a dub dub. It's like it does I'm like I already don't sure that doesn't make any nothing none of this makes any sense to me. That makes that joke is totally lands. <laughs> Woo! All right. So we are here to do the Battle of Helm's Deep. That is the majority of the content for the ensuing the following 30 or 40 minutes of film uh, that we will be discussing. I think it's worth noting up top that none of us, I don't think, have ever seen the theatrical edition since it was in theaters. Yeah, I watched the extended editions or literally nothing. Sean had a hard time downloading it. Oh, I wish you guys had told me that you were trying to download it or something because I got it on DVD. No, I I know it was a lot we literally Haley and Brooke rolled up to my house to watch this and we were like I think we're supposed to watch this theatrical edition oh Shire oh Shire where do we even get this <laughs> I wish you had texted me I 100% would have come out to to meet you with the DVD oh, well, bless some you. black market DVD uh, it's like a drug deal but with <laughs> Um, Lord of the Rings DVD. We we got it. We got it. But um, we it was just we were like, what even is the what, what's the difference? What are we doing here? I have no memory of this place. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose you guys are the main reason why I've been getting all this hate about covering the theatrical edition. Oh yeah, when you've been talking about the hate mail, you didn't mention that eighty percent of it has been for me personally. <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't gotten like hate comments and very few of them have actually been by y'all. But there are a lot of people who are very passionate about extended versus theatrical. And that's why every time I've been messaging my guests, I feel stupid doing it. But y'all saying like, oh, right, we're supposed to do theatrical edition just gave me like, oh, I should keep doing this. I'm always like, we're doing theatrical edition. I'm only emphasizing this because extended edition is very different. So please watch the uh, theatrical edition. So the real reason people get so offended is because the theatrical editions were a mistake. There was a a misunderstanding Mm. that people were not interested enough to watch the full extended editions. And what has actually occurred is that the extended editions are the only ones worth watching. No, 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 no. 
Let's, you know what, let's, let's, let's talk about one of my biggest pet peeves about Two Towers and Return of the King and the length that they do and the reason why there's so much cut out. And it all comes down to this <laughs> battle. And it's the reason why <laughs> everyone, <laughs> listeners, they all just sat backwards like, oh, my, my lanta. heavens. <laughs> Two ta- how do I how, where do I even begin? The entire structure of Two Towers is off because they centered all of it around Helm's Deep being the climax of the movie. Is it cool? Yes. Is it very triumphant and it's a good movie? Yes. Does it make for a great adaptation from the book? No, because what happens is so much stuff gets cut in Return of the King that should have been in there that could have been in there had they moved because Helm's Deep, need I remind listeners, this is where we are at the end of Two Towers movie is mid Two Towers book in both of the plot lines for Aragorn and co and Frodo and co. That is the middle of Two Towers. And so the reason Return of the King is so long and the reason that so much stuff still was cut and that's why people are like the extended editions are better. Um, I don't know why, but I just, I just had an out of body experience remembering the dude from Shrek going, pick number three, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Guys, aren't you, aren't you so proud of Mary Clay that she can go on rants about Lord of the Rings I, I, now? I really do feel like a proud mother. <laughs> yeah, Look like she's you. doing Look it. Look at you. I'm not done. So... <laughs> So it also comes down to, so, okay, so the reason, so, so Helm's Deep, they make that the climax of the movie. Because of that, they have to extend out the other plot lines of the movie unnecessarily. So therefore you have Treebeard's plot line being cut up into one minute scenes that you see every 40 minutes. And it's so dumb because you start, as soon as you start getting into the scene with Treebeard, it cuts away again. And you're like, I don't care about <laughs> Gollum. Just give me the ints, please for the love of God. That's and my favorite thing about the theatrical edition is, I mean, we, I only had to spend like five minutes with Frodo and Sam, dude. I barely even had to think about them. That's true. And you also have to extend out the things that happen with Frodo and Sam with Faramir. And so because they had to extend out the stuff with Faramir, they had to completely change his character from the book. There was a fun fact trivia that I shared in the previous episode about how Peter Jackson thought he knew better than Tolkien and was like, Peter uh-huh. Jackson believed that it wasn't actually in the character of Faramir to resist the ring. So he changed it. <laughs> Did she's I just black she's out? making herself sick with rage. <laughs> Did I just black out? Well, it's also important to remember that these plot lines were not happening in tandem to the reader in the books. So if they could have been very different lengths in the books and you wouldn't really notice because they're not going back and forth the way a movie has to. It's like, let's just struggle through the wilderness yes, with Frodo and Sam for a hundred years. God, I just was like, can I skip all of it? And the answer is yes, you can skip all of it. They get there. <laughs> they just pick back up in the secret tunnel. <laughs> exactly. Also, I mean, the, the sheer number of shots of Frodo's face that already exist in this film there could have been no more there need be no additional shots of Elijah Wood with like one eye half closed just like like fluttering slightly I would let it rest with every adult watching that movie knows exactly what kind of a face he's making and to the kids he just looks like he's having a little bit of a hard time He's um about to sneeze. Yeah, he's yeah. total That's total it. about to sneeze face. About to sneeze. That's it. Exactly. Eyelids fluttering. <laughs> 
He faints like uh, like Harry Potter. I kept being reminded of Harry Potter, just fainting, fainting. Are you sure it's not just because of Elijah Wood and Daniel Radcliffe being almost identical? It's both, it's both. Like nearly identical, yeah. Okay, and then if you the other unnecessary thing, I'm still on <laughs> oh, this. Oh, she's in her rant still. The other unnecessary <laughs> thing about Two Towers is that so okay. You don't extend out Faramir's plotline and you don't extend out Treebeard and the other stuff so that Helm's Deep is the climax. That mean you also get rid of the dumb Aragorn's fake out death plot. I get that it was the only way to give Arwen something to do, Drama. but it wasn't in the books and it added a good 15 minutes to a, to the movie. Drama. You don't need yeah, it. You're right. Drama. The only reason Drama. you need it is so he can look wet when he shows up at Helm's well, Deep and pushes the doors no, open. No, that moment in and of that's itself important. justifies <laughs> it the entire yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> he literally, we, re- we watched the movie together. We rewound that scene and watched oh, it again. I did too. Yeah, and we screamed. I'm with you that his almost dying scene is is stupid. But and like the, what makes it worse to me is that is when he gets to Helm's Deep and everyone's like, "Oh, sh- you're alive." And then Aowen like, "Oh no, that's after the war actually that she runs mm-hmm. up to him and like cradles him." Well, I'll just pi- I'll, I'll I'll just bring that up right now. There's okay. this scene that I guess is unrelated to what we're talking about I'm realizing right now where <laughs> Aowen okay. runs up to Aragorn cuz he survived the battle spoiler yeah. alert and she like she's like happy and she like it's like it bothers me that like they don't make out they and like also they don't stay away from each it needs to be it's like in the, this in the middle. It's like you should have kissed him. Like I would have kissed him. I don't care if you're betrothed. Like I'm going to kiss you, dude. And it looks reciprocated on both ends. It's not just, oh, Aowen is, it's a one-sided unrequited thing. It looks reciprocated on both ends because it looks like Aragorn is a husband coming home from yes. war to his wife and that they are about to kiss. Okay. I really, I really didn't mean to jump us off track. Well, that's okay. Well, that that's actually okay. does bring me to like a, like a little trivia thing about the movies. There was like in the original script for two, towers there was supposed to be like a whole thing with like arwen was supposed to roll up with the elves and like so they had to like recut a couple of scenes like uh, when aragorn first comes back and uh legolas gives him like his pretty necklace that was originally (laughs) apparently supposed to be arwen and that's why that scene now looks kind of gay like just a little bit i love it like it looks like awen like runs up like she's about to jump into his arms and then she sees him talking to legolas and legolas gives him the necklace back and it's like it kind of the look on her face is like oh that's what's going on they're in love (laughs) oh legolas is the elf he's in love with oh i could do entirely without a hundred percent of the aragorn awen flirting that happens in this film both yeah both like long lusty looks and a lot of gentle hair stroking at multiple points yes maybe mm-hmm. if they had had like real chemistry but they don't have chemistry do i think oh, they have chemistry you... yeah are you kidding i think it... i think she just is they literally laugh... like the equivalent of like a white wet washcloth to me oh christina really I'm hates the actress wow. that plays aowen i personally I'm disagree i'm not a huge fan of her brie but... larson brie larson for aowen 2020 yes. oh, no, that would be dope christina yeah christina shared that uh last week on instagram and i immediately am on board for that or like even like a Kira knightley just someone with presence i i don't know a lot of actresses um but no, like no, no. just someone now here's presence. the thing though i had a dream where Kira. this is before i started watching the movies I had a dream. It was actually in the lead up to me watching the movie. So I was ha- this was like pre-movie anxiety dreams <laughs> that Kira Knightley played Aowen 
but she changed nothing about the way that she acted <laughs> as Elizabeth Swan. I remember you telling that I mean, that kind of works. No, it didn't. It was terrible. It was <laughs> god-awful. And she butchered the I am no man scene. She it was, would be it was whispering, bad. Will, which is not the right name. She's like, uh, I'm doing the 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 under oh, the, the over, teeth underbite. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. I I, yeah, I, see. I see, and but but in defense of my argument, Brie Larson would have just been like, I'm no man. Like she would have just like so matter of factly, it wouldn't have been like this great dramatic thing. It would have just been like, I'm Brie flippity dipping Larson, and I am here to kill you. <laughs> Love her. Okay, and then one more thing about the structure that I swear okay. we will talk. No, talk you're about doing great. Is that if you take out all the other stuff I was screaming about earlier, then you have room to move Sheila's lair. Up to Two Towers movie, you have room to move, which was cut from theatrical Return of the King and is extended extended edition only, as I understand it. You can leave in the things that happen with Saruman in Isengard. They completely cut all of that from theatrical edition Return of the King, which is, that's like the one thing that I'm really confused about and you move all of that up to two towers movie and you you end you end two towers movie like how it ends in the book with gandalf and pippin riding off to isengard dramatically after the palantir and you have sam being like oh i f-ed up and and frodo was kidnapped because he was actually alive and Good i think i didn't throw dead. him off that cliff <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part yeah he's like should i throw him off a cliff and then he's no. like and then he's like I'll wait 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 him. i don't have enough time <laughs> so that's my rant on the the structure of two towers i should say for now because i'm sure it's, it will come up again later it's funny that the premise of your rant is screw helms deep and that's what we came here for <laughs> yes yeah, so so, all of you. All that being said, this part of the movie is really dope. It is. Really it is dope. so dope. It's the only war scene I've ever cared about in my life. I personally like the Battle of Pelennor Fields better, but I do. As a, if I was just watching this as a movie and I had no idea what happened in the book, mm. I would be like, "Yeah, that's a great movie." That yeah. makes sense. I just think it's like so cinematographically spectacular. Like, and it's worth noting that. I do think the vast majority of people, especially in our generation, that are familiar with Lord of the Rings did watch the movies first. I know very, very few people who came to the books first. What do you mean people didn't wait until they were 25 and then started a podcast where they read the books for the first time (laughs) and then watched the movies? I read the books first, but that's because I'm a freaking nerd. Nerd. Yeah. I mean- I watched the movies first because when the movies were coming out, I was in like early middle school kind of years. What do you mean you weren't reading Tolkien? Then? I mean, I Come I on. ended up reading it after the second movie, I think. I started reading the books, but it really was a thing where it's like, it's a lot to commit to as a young person oh, yeah. and you kind of have to, I'm aware. you have to want to do it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Like, I've always been a really advanced reader, but I wasn't, like, emotionally or intellectually ready for Lord of the Rings until I was in my 20s. -hmm. I enjoyed it at the time that I read it, but I don't think that I ever would have been talked into reading it had I not seen the movies first. True. Mm -hmm. Film makes stuff very cool. You know how nerdy Game of Thrones was before HBO got their hands on it? That was stuff that, like, your friend's nerdy dad read. But the same thing with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings existed prior to the movies in this, like, weird underground subculture of, like, a 100% crossover. Like, it, as a Venn diagram, it's just a circle of dudes who play D&D. And guys who liked Lord of the Rings. And that was the entire fandom. Yeah. 
Totally. I I understand all of that because I also, you know, I was reading it for a podcast and even sometimes I was like, I don't want to do this. This is a lot of (laughs) no, for sure. This is a lot of words that I don't understand. But as a movie, it's so entertaining. Like start to finish, all three of them, but particularly Two Towers is my favorite because of Helm's Deep being fun as hell to watch, man. I also think it really helps in the translation from these books to these films in particular is that 17 pages of Tolkien's luxurious landscape descriptions can be captured in one dope shot of New yeah, Zealand. Of New Zealand, exactly. <laughs> and, you, yeah. and, you're, and, and it's like so much more effective. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, look at that landscape. Yeah, like we, like when you first, I know this is before like the part that we're talking about, but like when you first see the Medjuseld and it's like this sweeping shot with like heroic music. In the book, that's like three pages of description mm-hmm. of like, the ancient kings of the mead hall the funniest thing about helm's deep and the descriptions and everything so the chapter of helm's deep in the book is maybe eight pages the actual battle is maybe three pages the majority of that chapter is him describing what helm's deep looks like i still had no (laughs) idea what was going on i was like there's there's i was like i think it's a castle i'm imagining bowser's castle in mario kart (laughs) You're like, it's my only reference of castles. This is Bowser's <laughs> Castle, so. It's either Bowser's Castle or Hogwarts. Which one is okay, it? Either way, keep an eye on the pipes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's so, pretty good, Haley. <laughs> for a fortress, like, it's pretty, it's pretty pregnable, like, in terms of the amount of oh, ways to get God. into it. It's, there are a lot, it seems to me. And there's, me. like. There's that one scene when Theoden's like, this is basically impregnable except for this one little, one little pipe that probably no one... It's like the freaking Death Star. It's like, yeah, and that's going to be the error through which you get ruined. Except in the movie, yeah. he's like, oh, there's this one little like storm drain. You'd barely even notice it. And then you see it takes like a full grown like Urukai, like it's completely... It's giant. It's very big. It's, it's very big. Yeah. It's essentially yes. a door. Yeah. It's not small. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... I mean, that's a classic example of... Theoden probably heard at the last minute that there's like something he he's, he doesn't know he hasn't seen it he's the king he walks around he gets people to tell him stuff and last minute someone runs up and is like yo my lord okay this just came to my attention but there's a big hole there's like a sewer in this fortress and he's like okay like do you think this is an issue and the guy can like hear the orcs approaching and he's like no 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 it's probably fine so i'm gonna combat that real quick and say first of all it was actually it's actually worm tongue who talks about this and he's telling saruman and then i will say that when they're building helm's deep they probably weren't imagining that a wizard sometime in the future was going to invent a bomb (laughs) yeah true like they don't really they don't really do gunpowder bombs aside they Forces of Saruman had, like, unending siege weapons v our heroes having literally just swords and bows and arrows. They had yeah, nothing. Yeah, they had two different kinds of siege ladders. Yeah. Two different kinds. And, like, giant Pretty cool. crossbow bolts and all kinds we're of gonna, stuff. We're going to jump into to the discussion now, because um, <laughs> otherwise we'll be here forever. I love y'all, and I love oh, this. Oh, God, we didn't start that yet. Oops. <laughs> I forgot that she does it chronologically. <laughs> 
Suspense is building at Helm's Deep as Saruman's army approaches. The skies open up with rain so that Aragorn can be wet again, and so it begins. The Urukai have war technology the likes of which Rohan has never seen, such as ladders, double-wide ladders, and more ladders. We get a not-so-subtle Wilhelm scream, Gimli and Legolas start a competition, and children are throwing rocks with somewhat surprising accuracy. Over on the ever-slow-moving Merry and Pippin side of the story, Treebeard and the Ents decide during the Entmoot that the Hobbits are not orcs. That's great and all, but oi, there's a war going on! Now let's not be hasty. The Ents will discuss that next on their Entmoot agenda. 17! 18! In Helm's Deep, Legolas is winning their competition. Too bad we can't really say the same thing about Rohan. Theoden just has to jinx everything right as an Urukai brings the Olympic torch to the one weakness in Helm's Deep. Theoden's confidence blows up right in his face. Literally! Legolas shield surfs into action to help his buddies as the battle continues. The Ents have finally come to a decision. They're not getting involved with the war. Crap. They're like your uncle who posts too much on Facebook about how COVID is a hoax until he personally tests positive. Treebeard tells Merry and Pippin that their part of the journey is over and they should head back to the Shire. Pippin's excited to return home, but Merry explains that if they don't put a stop to the war, then there won't be a Shire to go home to. Just spitballing here, but it might be that all of the Shire's nature is destroyed, everyone is forced to export their weed and crops, leaving nothing for themselves, and a corrupt police force takes over until the Hobbits return to lead an uprising that ends with Saruman getting his throat cut and Frodo defunding the police. The reality of the situation finally hits Pippin just as some concerning Hobbits comes in to punch you in the gut. Okay, so first I want to start off with what Haley brought up earlier about Arwen and original plans to have her included here. I've tried to track down what the actual story is for what I'm about to share. So originally there was plans to have Arwen be with the elves as they roll up to Helmsteep. One trivia fact says that they hadn't started filming it. it j- one trivia just says Liv Tyler had even begun to train when the decision to remove her was made by the writers who realized this approach wasn't working. She was ultimately rewritten into Two Towers using stories from the appendices. So that's one story. Another one in the DVD extras says that it got leaked onto one of the main fan sites that Arwen was going to be at the Battle of Helm's Deep and it was met with a lot of negative feedback, a.k.a mansplainers and then it also there's this whole article i found on the one ring.net about differences from the book to movie this comment said it appears that scenes of arwen fighting at helm's deep were filmed but peter jackson decided not to use them and then the like sub meaning of that is that she wasn't good in these scenes so they cut them and then one more added layer to this that like I still don't know what the true story is. This is a quote from Peter Jackson. He said, we had to find a way to include Arwen in more of the story to have a chance at creating a meaningful screen romance. And so that was why they tried to include her in the battle. Yeah, be sure to get women in there for the romance and definitely not for representation in their own right. (laughs) Well, I get what he meant that like they were like, we have Eowyn who is out here fighting and doing so. Let's show Arwen doing stuff and show that like Arwen and Aragorn have that alike as well so that's the end of this random story that I still don't really know what the truth is but it comes down to she was removed because of sexism so in my heart I know it to be true that Liv Tyler could not pull off these scenes dude she sucks (laughs) I I get it that she's ethereally beautiful and that's because she's never done one 
flipping second of work a day in her life. I don't think she could execute a single action sequence for one second, dude. I don't think she has it in her. And I don't buy that Peter Jackson would take fan opinions into anything having to do with his films. Interesting. Yeah, Peter Jackson is notoriously does not care about that kind of stuff because if he did, the Hobbit series wouldn't exist. Yeah. I think think it was the equivalent of my mom being like, can Mm. your husband come mount the TV in my house? And like, Sean's like, I want to see you try first. And it's just my mom like hitting the wall with a wrench. Like I think, and and then Sean's like, nah, nah, don't get out of here. I'm just going to hang this for Like, that's what I truly feel like it was like. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So. I wish that the women in this movie were better. <laughs> I know. We all wish it, but even we're never going to get it. Even the terrible characters that were... We're not going to get it. They could have been cast better. They just do better. Kate Blanchett can't carry it on her own. <laughs> She's barely in this thing. As one positive of casting, I actually really like the variety of ages of soldiers and children and women that we had in this Ugh. scene. Because... It really did a good job of visually painting for you just how boned they were going into this. Yeah. <laughs> like you cuz you Being like we have children. Well, you panned the crowd and like they the way that they start the battle here is that an old dude is so weak that he cannot keep his bow drawn, you know? Yeah. And he accidentally yeah. loses an arrow. Yeah. Oh, is that what happens mm-hmm. there? I just thought he was trigger happy i don't know grandpa yeah it takes a crap ton of strength to draw a bow so like i get it and if it's not something you're used to like just random example legolas if it's not something you're used to like i get like i don't think any of us could keep it drawn that long but like yeah no it definitely they were not it's not great so thank god for the elves right yeah i mean credit where credit's due that old guy did get that shot like he got it right in (laughs) the neck yeah uh, so we we open up and there's just dead silence as it pans around the scene and it's so good at how it builds suspense. There's no music playing yet. You just are panning around showing the uh, Sauron's army is marching closer. We're panning across the whatever the top level of the castle, whatever thing. And That's definitely what it's called. Technical term. We get a we get a shot where there's a gap in two people. What's this? Oh, it's Gimli. He can't see, except he could if he moved over two feet where there's a break in the wall. And I love it so much. It's so good. And he's like, what's going on out there? And Legolas goes, shall I get you a box or describe it to you? But like Gimli doesn't need to see. He's functionally only able to use an axe and that won't come into play until you are already in a much worse scenario. Yeah. He just wants to know what's going on. Couldn't he like in theory, like just try to Use a bow and arrow? Yeah, why didn't... Probably better than Grandpa. Or at least move him to a different... I know you have to have him be near Legolas, duh, but at least move him to an area where his close-range combat will be used rather than waiting for things to go terribly for him to start doing anything. Because at first, he's just yelling. I think the idea is when you are being laid siege upon, grammar, the... If you're in close range combat, you're already screwed. They're in. Yeah. That's the thing. Yes, it's it's like you could be anywhere. They could get in anywhere. This is a siege. They had like six-year-olds throwing rocks at people. Surely Gimli could have done something. I liked seeing the six-year-olds throwing rocks at orcs and then also seeing Treebeard and company throwing rocks yes. at Isengard. I was <laughs> I like, oh, almost, it's the same weapon. <laughs> I almost made a note that like, oh, come on. What are those rocks doing? But then we see it later happening where Merry and Pippin and they actually like, hit people with it and Mm -hmm. like knock them 
off their stands and stuff. So I was like, okay, well, you proved I me mean, wrong. I mean, that's a callback to uh, to like the very first um, chapter of Fellowship where it's like talking, like the whole thing about hobbits. And like one of the things mentioned is that like any small animals in the Shire know to get undercover quick if you see a hobbit reaching for a rock because they're really good shots with rocks. Oh, <laughs> so I missed that it's detail. It's just a fun little Easter egg that they threw in two towers for, you know, people who don't have lives. I love that. And then um, <laughs> we see, oh, shoot, I need to look it up. We see um, Theoden is standing there and then it starts to rain. So Classic. cool. And uh, he says. The ASMR oh, it's of so the good. rain hitting the, the armor is just so good. It's tension building. It replaces what is a stellar soundtrack in that moment. And also it it leads to two very different sounds where you've got like rain on actual armor on our good guys, which is kind of like a, mm. it's almost soothing in the way that rain on like a tin roof is. And then you cut to the forces of Saruman and it's this like squelchy, heavy, like mud sounds and it somehow makes them sound dirty. You know what I mean? Mm. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I love the contrast. Something the film does really, really well is contrast. Like we were just talking about, you know, the little six-year-olds and like these old grandpas and then it'll kind of cut back and forth between them and the orcs. So you just see like, all you can see is their armor and like their hot, gross breath, like steaming Ew. out. They're kind of. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's yes. like that one. There's that one helmet that's just like, a <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it's so <laughs> gross. Like what? You go to the dog. You need to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> wear a mask. Exactly. And like in between the battle, like when the battle first like kind of starts going, every once in a while you'll cut to the Ent moot, and it's just the Ent swaying quietly. Yeah, here's a an English word for all y'all listeners. The word is, well, wait, wait, wait this is an English language podcast. What I meant is a literature word. <laughs> I was going to oh, say, I was like, what? <laughs> um, the word is juxtaposition, yeah. right? It, yes. it means contrast, but for snobby book people. Mm-hmm. And the con- the juxtaposition of the the war the battle at helm's deep against the ent moot literally the most fastest paced thing against like the most slowest paced thing it it it, like it's kind of like shocks you a little bit so then theoden says so it begins thanks theoden and since this episode will be coming out i think in december i don't know what time is anymore because i'm recording these so far in advance now that I don't know what year it is. No one likes a bragger. <laughs> <laughs> because we are still in a pandemic, your New Year's Eve plans better not include going out and partying. If you would like to ring in 2021 with Theoden saying, so it begins, you can start the extended edition at 9 p.m. <laughs> or 9.13 and 19 seconds at night p.m. And uh, right as it hits midnight, Theoden will say, so it begins. And for theatrical edition, you can start it at 9.46 p.m. and 11 seconds. That sounds like a pretty dope way to do that, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's everyone's New Year's Eve plans this year. Yay! Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, things I don't buy for a 400, Alex, is that the Elvish Prince just completely gives up control of his entire, like, battalion to Aragorn. I, th- I was thinking that, yeah. too. Yeah, it's like, who are you? I guess he speaks the language, at least. But, like, but like, okay, I speak just enough French to tell people to fire. That doesn't mean that I get to take over the French troops should we go to war. Well, I think, like, so that's Haldir, and he's, like, the captain of the guard in Lothlorien. And I think, yeah. like, Galadriel was specifically like just go help my future son-in-law he's so lost yeah i think i mean i probably wouldn't have done that just from like a tactical standpoint like aragorn is like a like a rogue right now and like i mean these guys are like used to listening to me also so it just seems like a weird choice we've established that elves have substantially better sight than their human counterparts (laughs) And yeah, yeah, but none of them are allowed to look over the ledge. That's Aragorn's job. In a, in, a, in a distance game, which is currently what we're playing, you would think that would be a usable advantage, but it's literally just the most... Sorry, it makes me sad every time. I'm like, it's just nonsense that they're just like... Yeah, they're just trying to get Aragorn in the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, which, like, I like it. I like seeing a man in charge, but... And also, like, we just had this, we've spent all of Two Towers showing this tension between Aragorn and Theoden. I don't necessarily believe that Theoden all of a sudden would be like, yeah, Aragorn, you go ahead and lead, lead half of the people. He says, you know, last I checked, uh, Theoden, not Aragorn, was king of Rohan. There's a a Game of Thrones quote that you don't know, Mary Clay, where it's like, ah, crap, I'm a butcher, though. But it's like, it's, it's like, if you have to scream at everyone that you're the king, you're like, not really the mm-hmm. king but also yeah. theoden is like the master of the royal we as a concept like he fights this whole battle in armor from like a very far distance away yeah he tries to do something once he gets an army boo-boo because his little arm hurt <laughs> we're jumping ahead again um I, um, <laughs> we did. We do get our first instance of the uh wilhelm scream as yes, someone gets yeeted so- off a wall It is so (laughs) jarring. The first time I watched this, I was legitimately like, was that actually the Wilhelm Mm -hmm. scream? Because I don't know if... I don't know if that's still a thing. Is that still a thing oh, yeah. that they put into movies? Yeah. Modern movies? Because I haven't heard it in a movie uh, that has come out in the last couple of years recently. Not that I can remember. It was just like very out of place to me. And like I laughed a lot and I appreciated it. And then if I recall, there's like 20 in Return of the King. Wilhelm screams. Are you guys talking about the yell from Spongebob where he says, my leg? <laughs> is that what yes. we're talking about? That is the Wilhelm scream. Yes. <laughs> so, Listeners, I will insert it here if you don't know what it is so the wilhelm scream has long since been like just a inside joke on between sound guys on films and like people only really started tracking it or being aware of it once people started making youtube compilations of them so like in terms of a timeline it's pretty recent that your average viewer has been like ah that is what that is oh interesting because prior to that how would you have known i think that comes with the birth yeah the birth of the internet you can really talk about stuff yeah. That was such a stupid sentence. 
I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> so um, then we also begin with this battle, the competition between Legolas and Gimli yeah. as they begin Cute. killing everyone. And it's so good. And I like how they did. The- First of all, I like how this was something brought in from the book during this ba- during this scene. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to have humor interjected throughout these very intense scenes. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's also like uh, kind of the one time in the films that like Legolas feels like book Legolas to me. Like yes, the one true Legolas. Yeah, like he he. I feel like Orlando Bloom. Like he was a very new actor at the time. I think he started filming these when he was like nineteen. I think he arrived. He in, had just graduated he, from acting school. He arrived in New Zealand on his nineteenth birthday. Like, a little baby. Yeah, I love he was a him. little boo boo, and he like didn't really he didn't really know what he was doing yet. And then your sidekick throughout the movie is John Reese Davies. Can you imagine that? Dang, I love Legolas so much. I know this is a family podcast, but let's say that Legolas is my preferred date from this movie. <laughs> I think I would have a lot of fun. Gimli is mine, and I would love to. I would love a double date between me, you, Legolas, and Gimli. <laughs> so antagonistic. I love it. But oh my so god! They just like race each other, eating all of the tapas. <laughs> Oh, so good. But, like, this is the one time that Legolas really feels like like the fun jock from the books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, he's very... Movie Legolas is very serious and very really ominous. Sp- spacey in a way that, like... He's always, like, staring staring off into the distance with his elf yeah. eyes. Book Legolas is, like, really connected to the Earth in a way that feels convincing, but, like, Orlando Bloom just doesn't quite execute that. He, like, mm. gazes into the distance and is, like... A red sun rises and it's like you're not saying anything real right now like I don't <laughs> and, know you know it's weird because like Orlando Bloom in real life is actually like a very jovial person and from a lot of the behind the scenes stuff I've watched Orlando Bloom and Viggo Mortensen had a thing where they would joke about like oh Viggo Mortensen would be like elves they're fragile creatures <laughs> they're so whatever a uh, little waif of a thing and like <laughs> and Orlando Bloom makes fun of you know men and it's like he's just jealous because my bow is bigger than his <laughs> and, and like that if they had it would have been fun for again that I guess that comes down also to the script the screenwriters writing that kind of stuff in but they have that like fun back and forth that I, I've brought it up a couple times during fellowship there's the scene when they're on the mountains and Legolas is walking over the snow I'm pretty sure he laughs at everyone <laughs> it's else so funny yeah <laughs> That's a, that's a good Legolas moment, too. That's yeah. like a true Legolas spirit. <laughs> you guys got a trudge? My my people haven't been drudging for thousands of years. Sucks to like, suck, mortals. <laughs> men. Men. My last note on this part of the battle before we move to the next scene is that so all these ladders, they keep uh, being pushed up to the top. And I think you see it happen twice where they just push the ladders over. Just keep doing that. Just keep pushing the ladders not over. They, what they what they really need, and I feel like ta- like castles must have had something like they. It's like the wall is so thick. They really need like a de-laddering device. And what that <laughs> means is like a, a branch with like a knock at the end so they can just like, because if you're leaning out far enough to like push, you're going to, you're going to fall. But what you need like a 
like a, one of those trash grabby things to just like oh, I know what you mean, that yeah. ladder off the wall. But it seems like this is new technology. Everyone's like generally shocked like when in the first two minutes of the battle, they're like, oh, we're already over the wall. Because they were like, we were expecting you to have to climb this on grappling hooks. Like, how <laughs> did you think of a ladder? Oh my God. I kept thinking of... um. The ancient Greek siege tower. Haley, do you know what it's called? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I don't know the Greek name for it. It's called like the Hel- Helopolis. This is the kind of war where one of those would roll up and it would be like, oh no! It's literally like 20 story tall siege tower that people are fighting from inside and like shooting arrows and murdering and sieging and stuff. In general, this battle seems to be the equivalent of like the old wives tale where like they say that when like nazi germany rolled into poland the polish cavalry ran out and the german soldiers reported hearing the sounds of swords against the outside of their tanks you know what i mean and like oh i just gotta chill that is the vibe of this where it's just like saruman's forces rolled up with like ladders double wide ladders bombs out of nowhere (laughs) More ladders, crossbow, like just everything. <laughs> so they've many got, ladders. they've got all the technology, and it's well. And they like, also have like just like more resources in general. Every person has armor that every orc has armor that fits them, and they all have weapons that they're trained in, and they were like born for this. And it's but, yeah, just much better. Yeah, prepared. meanwhile they're like eight year old. Take this helmet that previously fit an adult man and Who died throw some it. rocks. Well, <laughs> yeah. the other thing is that like, okay, Rohan's thing is horses. Nothing is worse for horses than a mm-hmm. like a intentional siege draw scenario where they're like, well, we'll hole up here and wait for them. It all comes down to Theoden being dumb and not listening to yeah. Aragorn or Gandalf moments after he was unpossessed by Saruman. Yeah, we call that p- possession hangover. Not thinking clearly. <laughs> and then uh, one more thing on this scene, actually. The only reason they had the rain in this scene is so that they could get Aragorn wet again. Yeah. Ooh, I'm not a pest. <laughs> let's get everybody wet. Get Aragorn they're wet. Like, they're like, shoot, he's already dried off <laughs> from his time in the river. How do we get him wet again? <laughs> he needs another soak. Rain. <laughs> they're like, we can't just straight up oil him. But like, let's- <laughs> That's fair. How Amir. close can we get? So now we cut to the Entmoot, which I love the Ents. I love them. I love the use of sound in these scenes. And you hear the like groaning of the trees. And it's so it it is taking a, a pause and a break and resting from the battle for a bit. Treebeard comes over and says, we have agreed. And there's this really long pause. (laughs) Mary's like, yeah, and? And he says, you are not orcs. And Mary is pissed. He's like, you've been talking for half a day and you just decided you can trust us? Well, what about the war? Yeah, he says, don't be hasty. And this is what I wanted the int scenes to be like the entire time we've been with them in hell in two towers. Because this is this is their essence. Treebeard's catchphrase is don't be hasty. (laughs) And he says it, you know, two and a half hours into the movie. I wish that this part that they had like captured this part of their characters in the other scenes that they had already shown during the rest of the movie. I also love here just how happy 
Treebeard is when he announces that he didn't they're he's not like, orcs. He's like, We've decided you aren't orcs. And he gives them this face that is like, ta da You know, like <laughs> we, yeah, did we did it. We did it. No, I think they really captured the essence of Treebeard in that they captured the essence of J.R.R. Tolkien Tolkien making fun of his best friend. Because, again, for everyone who's not aware, Treebeard was based on C.S. Lewis, and the professor in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is based on Tolkien. Oh, I love it. I love it. Mary and Treebeard in this scene are like me trying to get my husband out the door when we're running late for dinner with friends. It's just like, oh my god, how are you still tying your shoes, dude? Like, we're, we're on phase two, okay? We gotta go. Yeah, and then Mary is like, well, what about the war? And he's like, well, and the war? And they're like, okay, we'll talk about that next and get back to you in a gif. Well, and don't we get like a brief moment where he's like, he's like, it takes a really long time to say things in Old Entish. So we have to be really sure that we want to talk about it before we launch into that. Yeah, because that's the whole reason why the Ents are slow moving, because their their philosophy is that if you're going to talk about things, if you're even the words that you say, they have to be worth saying they have to carry meaning and value with them so and they don't like to you know don't be hasty they don't they don't like short words they like the beauty of long words that is such a tolkien's like what if there was a race that cared so much about like the words they were using what if it's like the speaking is like their culture and they just like take their time and it's just like all about words. I like kind of did that with the elves, but that was mostly singing. I want to really get in. <laughs> I want to really, really, really focus on language. Well, in terms of hearing Entish in this movie, when we hear them conversing, it is just incredible because you're hearing basically the sounds of creaking wood and like when wind and leaves but it's also immediately apparent that you are listening to a conversation of some sort somehow that that's one of those things that's like like most of these movies and books i'm like not really for children but that's one of those things where it's like go home to your house and like listen out your window and it's like there's ants out there dude and they're talking to each other yeah i fully believe that there are ants just waiting to Waiting for two hobbits to move them to action. <laughs> Convince them to take revenge. Exactly. Uh, and then we, again, another moment of, oh, this is a nice int scene. We're finally progressing with their plot. Oh, and we're back to Helm's Deep. Oh, oh okay. I see I see what we did there. And we cut back with uh, more of the of battle, of the battle, and Gimli is going, 17, 18, 19. <laughs> <laughs> And I think Legolas says, you're behind. I've got 27 already. It occurred to me that they have to at some point when they stop counting in the theatrical edition, it's because that's they keep counting in the extended edition and they can't keep counting in the theatrical edition after that because the numbers get out of order. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like mm-hmm. when when they keep count. I was thinking about the spoiler alert for the extended edition. I was thinking about the Oliphant, right? Which I think is an extended edition thing. And I was like, oh, that's, they had to stop counting in the theatrical edition. Because otherwise it would have skipped all the way up to like 50. And then it's like, whoa, what? I'll be honest. I probably wouldn't have paid attention that closely anyway. Neither. So 
Uh, we get a beautiful moment of unity, however, as we all get to watch the Olympic torch get brought in. Yes. <laughs> so stupid. Okay, well, hang on. Well, first, first, we have Theoden jinxing us. Oh, yeah. Why he says, is he like this? Ah, he's like, ha, is that all you can bring, Saruman? Like, why even say that out loud? Like, what? <sighs> Literally, it's the worst thing. And then... We cut to this goblin orc person doing the Olympic torch. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's an orc because they don't go down with arrows. Okay. The only thing that could have made that scene worse is if it was stormtrooper status can't even hit them. But no, they hit that guy. He just will not go down. Yeah, Aragorn says, Legolas, like, take him down. So, so point number one, if it's so important to take this one guy down, just tell that to everyone who has a bow in it. Like, shoot for this one guy. Don't just single out Legolas. Get everyone to shoot him. And second, Legolas, I do not believe for a second that Legolas couldn't have headshotted him and taken him out because you show him taking out this goblin in Helm, no, not Helmsteep, in Moria when there's basically no light and they're way far away. I do not believe for a second that Legolas couldn't take him out. And instead, Legolas pulls two arrows. Orlando Bloom is is really working his best eyebrow acting as he's doing this <laughs> and shoots him twice, like in the shoulder and the arm. And I'm like, really? Not the head or the neck? I don't have any answers for you regarding Legolas because that... <laughs> That was dumb, objectively, but in terms of making it super obvious what the Urukai in question was doing, let us all keep in mind that Saruman is a wizard. And wizards, as we've established very well on the restricted section, are all about the drama. Yeah, you know what they could have done is sent the smallest orc in there with a flint. Nope. The <laughs> biggest they one, sparking to torch. Sparking torch, absolutely <laughs> necessary. They clear a path for him, and they're all just mm-hmm. kind of like cheering him on as he finishes his marathon, man. Like Suicide <laughs> mission, yes. Everyone's super into it, and then at the very last minute, he decides to go for a full belly flop to just finish it off. Dives into it, yeah. So he dives into the storm drain where someone had previously placed a bomb and the whole thing is blown up. The whole wall. When you said thing, it was the whole wall. That's whole what that wall. thing is. That's what I that's what I meant. What did I say earlier? You just, you just said the whole thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Hot, the level like the level thing. tier thing of rocks that's before the other one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the technical term is curtain wall okay getting fancy on us. <laughs> rock chunks just go like flying and the rock chunks in and of themselves probably take out another hundred or so <laughs> yeah. of the enemy yeah, that forces. does some damage oh yeah. yeah um this shot was achieved by blowing up the miniatures of helm's deep I was just about to say, it reminded me of when I was in elementary school and I built an Egyptian pyramid out of sugar cubes. Like, that's kind of what it reminded me of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, I mean, a lot of the trivia about Two Towers is about Helmsteep. Another one is that they filmed Helmsteep, they edited it down from 20 hours of footage, shot over a four-month period. Three of those months were at night and one of the months was filmed during the day. That, that was the shooting of Helmsteep. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like a way of life. That's all I've ever known is war. <laughs> Crazy. It all gets blown up. It does look very cool. We have this shot of Theoden being like, oh, Shire. 
Yeah, you uh, yeah, you said it. Yeah, I was like screaming at the TV. I was like, you did this to us. Gimli, at one point, Gimli comes to help out Aragorn, and he is such a Gryffindor, and I love it. He just like cannonballs. Also, this happens multiple times throughout this battle, where people will just like body surf or cannonball on top of a crowd of orcs that have spears. And I'm like, how did you not get impaled at all? But okay, whatever. Yeah, like cannonballs on top of a bunch of orcs to help out Aragorn. Love that. And then we get the iconic shield surfing moment. The, the surf and slay. Yes. <laughs> the Legolas, Legolas trademark surf and slay. So good. Legolas <laughs> picks up his shield and flings it like he's skimboarding on the beach and yeah, j- jumps exactly on top like that. and surfs down the stairs while firing his arrows into the crowd. And I think we have this very brief moment of I mean, you do have to keep in mind, this was what, 02? So like, it's yeah. not that far out of the 90s. Like, it, there was definitely st- like someone in the writing room who was like, well, we have to include some kind of like surfboarding thing for the kids. Oh, this was peak Tony Hawk time. Oh, yeah. Also, Orlando Bloom, they were like, yeah, he does this in stunts, so. <laughs> well, and they also, it's like, okay, this whole this whole series is like 12 hours of film, and they have to keep coming up with cool new ways for him to shoot his bow. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. What do we do? Put him on a horse. Put him on a skateboard. Put him put him upside down. <laughs> put him on an elephant. Put him on a mountain. Put him, put him in a tree. Yeah, exactly. Have him do two at the same time. Good point. Good point. However, so yes, this is very cool. Very cool. Dumbledore. However, (laughs) (laughs) it's very corny and kind of dumb. I'm just going to say that. No, for sure. I mean, it really, I mean, okay, let's put it this way. I think that it, I think that you could watch this movie and know what year it was made. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It is very of the times. So exactly. For what it's worth watching this as a youth, I remember seeing that and being like, that's so cool oh my god like went to <laughs> it's hate. pretty cool it's pretty cheesy and pretty quick cool. i mean have yeah, you guys ever both. played tony hawk okay like, imagine being a 13 year old boy watching this yeah. movie back when it came out oh, it's yeah. the coolest thing you've ever seen it is exactly what you would hope that a video game would allow you to do with your character yeah 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 for sure that's a good way of also it. well just while we're talking about it uh, T- Tony Hawk, those games are great, but there's also the extremely goofy skateboarding games, which were pretty cool too. <laughs> pretty similar mechanics, but not quite as not quite as like trying to say something. You know, it's like just just being goofy. And then, if you want a video game where you can shield surf, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, there you go. So did they take that from Lord of the Rings? I'm positive that someone <laughs> yeah. in, someone was watching what because they've been developing Zelda Breath of the Wild for 50 years well, I think, or they I, were. I was going to say like out now, but. even if they stole that from Lord of the Rings it's like they produced so much of that world on their own like you're good. But I also I like thinking that they they did this as a fun because people who enjoy Lord of the Rings and people who play Breath of the Wild are most likely one circle you know so i'm sure that people who who enjoy shield surfing in breath of the wild are like this is a fun nod to an unrelated fantasy series honestly as a writer i do that kind of stuff all the time in my own writing where i'm like some nerd will think this is hilarious and that nerd is me the author (laughs) 
then we cut back to the Ent Moot again. Ent Moot? I feel like we need like a... Like a boys night a la Magic God, Tavern. I, that wasn't on purpose, <laughs> but yes. Ent Moot! <laughs> you get a nice little bit of the the Shire theme here, which is just so... It's so it precious. Is, it is lovely. So, yeah, Treebeard has revealed that their decision is to not go to war. He says that... Uh, the ints will keep on doing what they've been doing, which is not getting involved. They are Poland? No, Switzerland? Not Poland. Switzerland. That was not the right answer. It's <laughs> at cool. all. We, we've brought up we brought up Poland once. That's confusing. <laughs> to Poland's credit, it never chose to be involved. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they are going to Switzerland this to the end of the of the times, and whether they die, that's okay with them because they're ints and they'll just keep on keeping on, dude. Wait, I can connect this to Poland. <laughs> There's a Polish, what's the thing? Like a an old Polish saying, not my circus, not my monk. Oh, yeah. And that's oh. that's what the that's what the ants are doing. Yeah. Christina, I'm going to be honest. When you were like, I'm going to connect this to Poland, I was like, oh, no. What's going to happen? <laughs> it's going to be dumb. We, it's going to be five minutes later. We do get, like, a really nice moment here because Pippin and Mary start talking and Pippin's kind of trying to convince Mary to just, like, give it up, turn it in. He's like, we'll go back to the Shire. It'll be great. And we get this little movie nod to, like, the scouring of the Shire that we... Yes. Where he's like describing basically all the things that did come to pass in the books mm-hmm. um, in terms of the war actually like taking out a good portion of the Shire, uh, which I just like. Yeah. No, yeah. I, in my yeah. notes, I have like, oh, Mary's a Ravenclaw. Like, because he kind of is here. Like, up till now, we've kind of seen him as like a little playmate with Pippin. Like, they're just kind of like kids on this adventure. But And like, Pippin is still kind of there like, yay, we're going on an adventure. This is so much fun. And like, Mary, this is the moment where we realize like, oh, Mary recognizes the stakes here. Like he mm-hmm. knows what's yeah. up. He knows that the, he knows that this is not going to leave anyone untouched. So, well, hang on, real quick. So, yeah, Treebeard says they're not going to get involved, and tells the Hobbits that they their part in this adventure is over, and that they would be better off going to the Shire. And so that's what happens. Mer- Pippin's like, well, at least we still love the Shire. And I'm like, no, you don't, because it's currently up in flames. Except not in your universe. Oh, and then also. I think Pippin says, Pippin says, this is too big for us. And I just wanted to go in there and scream and be like, didn't you hear Galadriel say that even the smallest person can change the course of the future? (laughs) Just like that, that aggressively. Yeah, it is. It's like the first time that the Hobbitses are like on their own. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, they're like kind of looking around for an adult and they're like, oh, oh God, oh my God, it's us. Yeah, (laughs) it's very relatable. And then, yeah, they're like, freaking Treebeard is like go back to the Shire and I feel like Treebeard and Treebeard in his brain is like that's really far away and you'll be safe I've been in Fangorn for so long and like nothing has ever touched me here and I think it's not to go ahead too much but like when he sees I I keep calling it the scar because that's what they call it in the Avatar episode where the same thing happens yeah, um, but like the forest he, is burned. The de- yeah, the burned forest, and he's like, "Oh wait, they can go in Fangorn. They can go anywhere they want to. We gotta stop." Not them. to make it like too much of like a thing, but it being current day, Treebeard is just like the perfect example of someone that doesn't believe that COVID exists until their uncle dies of COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So that that analogy pains me because. 
that is accurate for movie Treebeard. Book mm, Treebeard mm-hmm. knows everything that has been going on. And you don't have to have this moment. He doesn't say, the Ints don't say, no, we're not going to go to war. They come back from the Int moot and they say, yeah, we're going to go to war. Let's go, hobbits. And they mm-hmm. all start marching together. And Treebeard is aware of what Saruman has been doing because he is connect, you know, so connected to the forest and the earth that he can feel it and it pains him to feel this loss. So that yeah. makes it makes me very sad to see that they made Treebeard a lot more so so here's like what they had to do here in order to elevate Merry and Pippin's role in in this story and make them more active is they had to make Treebeard a lot more passive and they had to make it so that Merry and Pippin come in and they change his mind and they do something to get him to act rather than them just being there and kind of explaining what's going on in the outside world and Treebeard being like oh that sounds serious let's have an int moot okay we're gonna go to war is is what I recall happening well and it also just like it just like that's one of those things where the translation from book to film it's like you have to have things happening you can't be like like, let's talk about how Treebeard can feel this in his roots and like how, he, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, it's like, let's show everything that's happening. And I think that just screenwriters are really willing to sacrifice character for plot, which is like so sad. You see it happen constantly. <coughs> Jenny Weasel. <laughs> and then also in this scene, I just love how Mary. So Mary is so he's so passionate about this and he's very mad at Treebeard and he's explaining to Pippin. Like, no, you don't get it. This is very serious. Like, this is going to, if we don't do something, the Shire isn't going to be safe. Everything you know will be gone. You don't get it. We we can't ever go back to the way it was. And now we're left with no other choice to because there's nothing else for us to do here. And he's very upset and sad. And meanwhile, Pippin Pippin is just trying so hard to, to like be there for his friend and he's trying to comfort him. That's why he's he's saying things like, this is too big for us. We still have the Shire. We can go home. And he's just trying to be there for, for Mary and comfort him. But in this scene, you see this realization kind of coming on Pippin as Mary is explaining everything to him. And then, yeah, as Brooke said earlier, we have concerning hobbits coming in in the background, which that will it's like a it's it's concerning hobbits, but they made it sadder. It's just a knife to the heart. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, Mary, it'll get Mary you. in this moment is like uh, like a millennial having their like climate change apocalypse anxiety for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like. You know, when it hits you, when it hits you really hard. Going on to this metaphor, Mary is a depressed millennial who is aware of the state of the world and is explaining it to Pippin, Gen Z. And Pippin is the one who, instead of being like weighed down by this, he is energized and is like, I've got an idea for how we can save this. But that doesn't come till later. So, (laughs) my boys optimistic (laughs) this is where we are going to leave this week's episode so as i correctly assumed it was going to be chaotic times with me Haley, brooke and christina and also talking about helm's deep which is the most chaotic part of two towers and we recorded for two and a half hours more than two and a half hours that's right we recorded as long as fellowship of the ring is a movie so i have split that into two parts so the next part of the conversation will come out next week i figured no one would complain about having another week of two towers discussion since it seems that 
universally people seem to love Two Towers the most. So we will do that next week. And then the week after that, we will be doing Extended Edition. As I'm recording this outro right now, I have watched disc one of Two Towers Extended. So far, my review is you should have kept all the int stuff. Everything else can go. We'll, we'll see what happens on disc two. That's what I'm talking about is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org where you will find all of our other shows like Sincerely Us, which I will be on in the coming future for the annual Star Kid holiday extravaganza. We're covering Starship this holiday season. Your favorite Christmas classic. Anyway, here's a trailer for Sincerely Us. Hi, I'm Eenie. And I'm Becca. And we host the casual musical theater podcast, Sincerely Us. We break down all the themes, motifs, and plot lines of your favorite musicals while also having fun and sharing our love for the craft. We cover new shows, old shows, popular shows, and everything in between. Everything from Hamilton all the way back to She Loves Me and beyond. We keep things light, explain in detail, and try to make the topic of musical theater accessible to everyone. So whether you've been into theater your entire life or have just gotten into it after seeing Hamilton, this is the show for you. With new episodes every Wednesday on WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And now on Spotify. The cover is by Graphite, aka Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Tolkien About Pod. And you can also join the Facebook group, which is linked in the description. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can become a patron and support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. And this week's sponsor is Mots. Mots, thank you, as always, for your support. You can also become a $3 patron and join our Discord, where you will join the WB&E community, as well as a thread for That's What I'm Talking About. And I'm planning to do some kind of a virtual game night hangout sesh, whatever, (laughs) Uh, at some point this month. Possibly a Kahoot, I believe is what the kids call it these days. I don't know what Kahoot is, but I've been told that you could do that virtually. So that might be fun. And I'm going to try to do that with my patrons this month. And that information will be ever evolving in Discord. So you should go to patreon.com slash talking about pod now to to get access to that tier. Now, unfortunately, the highly rated segment is Viga Mortensen Actually a Ranger was recorded in the part that will be in next week's episode. So I will close out this episode with this week's Is Viga Mortensen Actually a Ranger? Viga Mortensen is trilingual in English, Spanish, and Danish and requested the script to be revised to let Aragorn speak more of his lines in Elvish. He is Aragorn. Oh my God. And that's what I'm talking about. spitballing here, but it might be that all of the Shire's nature is destroyed, everyone is forced to export their weed and crops, leaving nothing for themselves, and a corrupt police force takes over until the hobbits return to... Oh my god. Oh my god, I literally stopped breathing during that. Oh my god.